Hello, Adam. Denz, is that you? Of course. Who else would be Hello? calling me this later? Yeah, true. Good point. Good point. How are you? What's going on? Okay. I'm okay, too. Kind of challenging week, end of last week, but trudging through it. Mm-hmm. How's, how's Ramadan trading you? It's okay. I think this is like day four or something. Started on Thursday, so slowly getting acclimated. Nice. How long does the transition take? You know, to get used to the fasting. Um, not, not too long at all. I mean, it's just like that kind of like I've been doing this such a long time, just like a switch of a you know, flip of a switch. You know, one day you go from like you know, eating and drinking regularly, and the next day just everything is void. So you just kind of you know mm-hmm. take it easy, slow down. It was good that the first day was like a a work day, like in the work week, it kind of makes the day go you know go by a little faster. Um, yeah. So then the weekends, you know, obviously, you know, much slower pace and everything. Yeah. yeah. So uh, for our audience, you know, this is uh, episode number four, and we've gotten a few emails from our listeners, which we greatly appreciate. Uh, we do encourage uh, folks who are listening to uh, reach out to us, email us, uh, let us know how we're doing, let us know if there's a a subject matter uh, that you would like for us to kind of, you know, tackle. Um, but this is episode number four of The Addict and the Counselor. Uh, we can be reached uh, via email at theaddictandthecounselor at gmail.com. Uh, uh, so let us know what's going on. And, um, yeah, I, I think we have a pretty interesting uh, another episode that, you know, we want to kind of get into. And, uh, you know, without further ado, yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that, um, you know, part of my my thoughts um, for tonight's episode was to talk a little bit about like mental obsession of addiction and and craving and and really like illness the way like addiction illness as I understand it and body and. The body part is the physical aspect of like when I put the drug in me, I have this craving that I can't, I, I can't stop. I need, more, I need to have more, right? And mm-hmm. the mental obsession, the mental obsession, how I experience is, it happens prior to the use. I'm in mental obsession to use, and it's something that you know I'm having. You know, I, I end up what's been happening is I end up giving in to that obsession. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, once I put it in me, then that, de- then the craving develops, you know, and all bets are off. Yeah. But what's interesting <laughs> is like the mental obsession, you know, it happens, you know, I, the mental obsession is, you know, I do some crazy shit sober to be, to, to get rid of that obsession, you know? Mm. Um, and I'd like to share like a couple of, yeah. couple of examples that I have yeah. of mental obsession. Yeah. yeah let, let me just kind of you know jump in here for you know some of our audience maybe you know 
you know, who themselves is not struggling with addiction or, or recovery, but for the listeners who maybe, you know, who, whose lives have been affected, I think something that you'll explore in your own journey uh, in the conversation today is, you know, for folks who are in recovery, you know, there seems to be a mental relapse long before the physical relapse. And so for normies, you know, which is a term used by, you know, people in AA, NA for people who don't have addiction is, uh, you know, normies like myself only notice a, a relapse when, you know, someone is, you know, missing for, a, you know, a few days or money is missing or like some kind of like in your face, like recognition of addiction. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for people who struggle with you know, recovery and have kind of cycled through in and out, uh, the mental obsession, the mental relapse happens long before a person you know, picks up that substance, whatever it might be. And so I think you'll explore a little bit about kind of what that looks like for you and hopefully shed some light to, you know, uh, our audience about, um, you know, warning signs, you know, uh, for everybody, really, the person kind of going through it and also, you know, supportive people around that person's life. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, how I usually experience mental is I come out of once I get out of treatment. And I start, you know, the real world, real society, I start, I might start to obsess and I can, I can manage it usually like for a little while. And eventually if I continue to obsess, I I can't, comes a point where I, I just can't take it anymore or there's no pause. Like I don't have some type there's some type of coping strategy or something that I'm missing and I end up giving in. Now I have um I have this example of last June I was in I was in sober living. I was in sober house. I was maybe coming up on sixty days clean and I was obsessing for like a month. You know, now when, you, um, when you say Adam, when you I say was, obsessing, are you obsessing over the, mm-hmm. a, a substance, or is something else kind of happening in your thoughts and you know emotions? Yep. So there, um, I would say the emo the emotions. Um, I would say the emotions lead to the thought of obsessing that leads to obsessing. So. You know, I'm experiencing really uncomfortable, extreme, uncomfortable feelings. And if I'm not dealing with that in like a healthy way, then I start to obsess more, I would say. Mm. So like, Mm. I guess part of, I guess when I think back to my story and my example that I'm going to share about in June, Mm -hmm. I was in a sober living and at this point, probably didn't, didn't see my kids for like maybe a six month period at about 60 days sober. And I was surrounded by baseball fields and it was the middle of the little league season. And I usually, um, you know, coach my kids in baseball and I started to get these extreme uncomfortable, you know, not extreme, I guess that's the wrong wrong word, but intense, Mm -hmm. intense, uncomfortable, negative feelings or feelings, you know, Mm-hmm. Maybe I should stay away from judging it, but <clears throat> extreme failings that I was having trouble dealing with. And I started to obsess. I, I mean, my, my drug preference is, is mostly crack for the most part. Um, 
but I started to get into deep obsession and I'm living in the sober house and I'm, I'm pretty open book with close friends of mine of like what I'm thinking, what, you know, what, what's going on with me. And I had, I was living with, I had this roommate that was the, the nicest guy in the house. Nicest, nicest guy. He actually, <clears throat> he had a, um, he had cancer for a few years. So he was recovering wow. from that. And he, he was, yeah. And, um, he actually, he had a, a voice box put in, um, and he was my roommate, right? Nicest guy, and you know we became friendly. And I, I started to obsess about. Now I'm in Tuxbury. I want to get. I'm when I'm obsessing. I'm obsessing about the whole, the whole situation. How's it? How's this going to get down? How am I going to get from Tuxbury, Mass, to Mass Ave, to Boston, right? Where I need, where I want to use. Yeah, I mean, you don't you have know, a car. The, the train system. No, I don't have my car on. Right, and um, and uh, I'm I'm wondering how I'm gonna get there, you know. And I'm I'm in deep obsession. And I tell two close friends of mine, I'm I'm obsessing about stealing my roommate's car. This guy takes a, a lot of sleep meds, and he's out. Once he's out, he's out, and he has. Mm-hmm his keys to his car that's always on the bureau, right? And I start sharing with, with two close friends of mine that I'm obsessing about doing this to get to Boston so I, you know, I can use. And and so I share with, with a friend again, you know, this night, and, you know, he tries to, you know, talk me through it. And two hours later, I'm, I'm taking the keys off off his bureau, and I'm driving into Boston. I get to Boston, and uh, hold, hold on, hold on. I've been, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just want to say, like in hindsight, now you know this. This is now reflecting back into you know quite some time ago. Was that you know, well, your friend tried to intervene, and actually, I mean, you tried to kind of intervene for yourself, right? You're talking about this obsession. You're kind of reaching out to supportive people, and obviously, it didn't work, right? And result in that particular incident. But looking back what could have changed that outcome? Like, could, could, ha, could anything have worked to deter you from like not taking, you know, your roommate's car, you know, the things that come along with it and, you know, hit, hit, hit the road running again. The only, the only thing that I can come up with is, um, is longer term, like, re- like inpatient treatment. That's the only thing I can really come up with. Like, like less probably, flexibility, like leaving the property. Right, right, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And so, yeah, I, try, I, I I get to Boston and, you know, people are trying, the next morning, you know, he realizes his car. <laughs> I'm gone with my stuff. You know, I took a bag or whatever, a backpack with me, a few of my things. And, um, you know, I get sober house calling me and everyone and uh, I, a couple of days later I even I end up um, selling all of his work tools out of his that he his trunk every <laughs> I can go that far like we've done like selling his work you know um, yeah. and about 
maybe four or five days into that relapse down there, you know, I would keep the car parked somewhere in case I needed it for something, but more times than not, more often than not, like it's easier to use in that area on foot than to have a car. You're less at risk of like, you know, being pulled over, you know, obviously like being Mm -hmm. arrested or anything like that. So, um, yeah. And, um, and then a few days later, someone came up to me and they're like, Hey, that car that, that you've had parked in the McDonald's over there, there's police over there in a tow truck. And I just like, I just walked the other way and that was it. You know, I, I think nothing of anyone, you know, I'm not other people when I'm in, when I'm in, this, you know, active addiction. So that's right. So that's, or even when I pointed out like sober in mental and acting out on on that obsession you know mm-hmm. uh, so that my that I have of, of mental do you want me to just go to yeah my, uh, yeah yeah let's get right to it all right yeah Very it was October and um, my a friend of mine, who I actually went to high school with, he's in recovery a little bit. And I was, I was living at another sober house. And, and not the same one that I stole, you know, I stole a car from, right? Wasn't able to go back there, right? And uh, Chris, who I haven't oh, seen in like, that's- obviously. Yeah, hopefully that sober house had some, you know, sense of them to not let you back in after an incident like that. Right. Consequences. The, the other, the other, I went to that word that like, I'm like a car thief now. That's what I'm identified as, you know. So watch mm, out for labeled. Right. And um, I'm like, I'm like, how you know? I'm thinking like, why are they labeling me? Don't people like? I don't know. People like like part of the lifestyle. Yeah, people still get what they want. You know, if you're an obsession to use, you know, that's how I I kind of look at it. So whenever I had a mini resentment that people were kind of labeling. So I'm in I'm in other sober house. My my friend Chris, who I grew up with, went to high school with. Um use some drugs um in high school with too and he he asked me if I wanted to go to um Catholic cat watch Catholic Memorial um high school um play Saints football game, right? It's like first mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, but you know, we were interested in watching this kid um from St. John's Prep committed to Georgia, right? So we wanted to see him he was a safety, yeah. and we heard all these things, great things about him. So, sure, it'll be cool. That'll be great. Good sober the old Everett, right? They, right, exactly. And the old, the old um, Everett coach. Um, now, my friend Chris played. My friend Chris played um, football there, right? Um, the old, his old coach now coached Catholic Memorial, so it would be a good thing for him to see him and connect with him mm. and stuff too, right? So it was good. It would be a good thing, right? So I, as soon as we make these plans, now Catholic Memorial is in, I believe, I believe JP, J 
Jamaica playing. Could be wrong. Mm. But I start, I remember I start in, in obsession, obsession kicks off. And this is going to be, you know, I'm going to be close to Boston. I start mm. mapping out on my phone. Now I'm like, I'm again, I'm like 60 days sober around that period. Right. Mm. <clears throat> and I start mapping out what's, what would it take? to Mass Ave from this, this football stadium, right? So can I pause you for right. one second? Sure. Um, so all this is happening at a high school football game. Can you think back to, like, what was the cue or, or another word that we use in, in recovery counseling is trigger? Like, can you remember what triggered that kind of initial thought? I mean, what was it about that environment that would have kind of set you going? The only thing that the only thing that I can come up with that set my set the obsession going would be close to the ball. JP was close, and that's where I'd been using. So it was mm-hmm. a you know a social cue, I guess, right? So like physical um, environment, I, I haven't even a factor, right? Right, definitely, and right, and I I wasn't in that area for a few months, but that's where I've been doing most of my using. So when I think of like Boston, I think of, you know, if I, I think of, of using. So my friend Chris, so I I grab a bag. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but, oh, so I see it's a two and a half hour walk, right? Now, most people would say two and a half, you know, normies or whatever, two and a half hour walk. That's a bit, that's a bit of a walk. You know, right. It's a bit of a walk. And I thought of it as, oh, that's nothing. When I'm homeless, I walk way more than that. That's a nothing walk. That's a blink of an eye, you know. And, um, you know, I pack a bag and my friend Chris picks me up. It's Saturday, like late afternoon game or something. Right. Mm. And. And we're talking, and he's, I'm really nervous. I, I know I am. I, I have tons of anxiety because I don't know what's the best way to do this. Am I going to just jump out of his car, like, when I get close to the exit? Or am I going to wait till we're at the game? Or am I not going to do this at all? Whatever, right? I don't know how this is going to play out. But mm-hmm. so he's, share, he's sharing deeply with me about some stuff he has going on. And I'm in total obsession mode. Like you're not even paying attention. Like not even paying attention, Barbaros. Like he could have just been. He might as well. He might might as well just have been talking to a freaking wall, you know. And here I am, you know, supposed to be this, you know, a friend of his, and you know, supporting him or you know, being a friend, you know. And I wasn't. Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to be. And and so we get to. We get to the football. We make it to the game, and we're walking in the stadium at CM. And I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just tell him, you know, in a few minutes, I gotta, I'm gonna use the bathroom, and then I'm just I'll take off. Mm. And so we're we're like halfway through like first quarter, and I look at him like, hey, I'm gonna run to the bathroom. I'll be right back. And I just booked. I just booked it. I just. I just started walking. Started walking. And about half an hour later, I'd say it's about thirty minutes or close to it. I start mm-hmm. getting a text. Text from him. 
Then my phone starts ringing. Then I see his girlfriend is even calling me, who's not at the game with us, but she she gets wind. And um, and so now you know I I just shut my phone off, and that's you know I can't deal with that. I'm on a mission mm-hmm. now. You know. Yeah, yeah. Right. Not, not the good turtle plan, yeah. right? I mean, that's the the, the goal, right? right? You don't want anything to kind of get right. in the way of that mental obsession and following through with it. So you don't need any reminders right. of like sobriety at that point. Right, right, I, right, exactly. And that's in like I've covered, like I've shared before, like that's one of the reasons that I take off is I don't want to come into contact with anyone that loves me or anyone that's in recovery or anything like that. And that's one of the reasons I, I actually just, just leave, you know. I will, I will say, I, I was thinking too, like when you asked me about, you know, what's some, what is like, you know, what's some things that start to come apart for me or come up for me, you mm-hmm. know, that, that, that leads to the, the obsession, you know, and eventually re- leads to relapse. But one of the like behavioral, one of the behavioral um, things that I start to do is, I start to clean up like some stuff that I'm doing. So like, for example, if I'm like engaged in in therapy, like I, I, I'll let the therapist know I'm terminating sessions. I'm terminating, you know, therapy for now, you Mm. know, um, or, you know, if I'm moving towards, you know, some positive, you know, whatever it is, it's I'm moving to like, I'm putting in footwork in, to, you know, for to move in a positive direction, I'll put the brakes on it and I'll start like cancel. I'll cancel it or I'll clean it up as best I can so I don't have that just hovering for other people to take care of. You know, it might sound like little things, but like for example, like me terminating therapy, like I don't want yeah. my family have to have to like clean up like the payments for it or you know whatever it may be. So mm-hmm. that's one of the. That's kind of one of my things that I so am doing. So it's wild do. that, you know, you made that connection, but it, it, it's like, it's twofold. So here, here here you are saying like the therapy part of it that I can kind of, you know, resonate with is you're in therapy, you're engaging in some good work, you know, the mental obsession starts kind of kicking in and you start kind of planning ahead a little bit and saying, hey, let me be done with this therapy and I save my family you know, the, the cost or the burden of, of like taking, you know, care of this financial obligation with this part of therapy in essence to yeah. kind of like the, the second fold is you're heading towards a relapse. And so your family is going to be impacted anyways. Right. Right. In in a much worse way. Correct. Co- correct. Right. Yeah. They would, right. I'm sure your, your family would love to pay a hundred dollar copay. Uh, right. Versus kind instead of, of me know, being MIA and maybe yeah, dead. trying to track right. you for you know three days, you know, you know right. through the streets of Boston, right? Mm. Yeah, mm. good. Yeah, so good insight. So like, right? So like, I'm thinking like for me, you know, what's that? You know, what's that pause for me instead of acting out on that? You know, and I'm trying to really like lean into that or like explore yeah. you know what that can be for me because i i still i i obsess um i can get into it um i will say they've they've lessened quite a bit since since um you know a few months back even or even since like a month ago 
Um, but there, it's still there. And, you know, sometimes my, sometimes instead of obsession, it, it, you know, sometimes it's more mental health mm -hmm. piece instead. Um, I don't know. Just something I've, you know, been thinking about. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, you know, as a therapist, kind of you know, hearing your story and obviously to a certain degree being impacted, you know, by your use and by your sobriety and, and treating folks, you know, in recovery and addiction. Also, it's, you know, where we are today, I think, is much more advanced than we were like even 10 or 15 years ago, where, again, this notion of like holistic care. Right. So not holistic in like just like yoga, per se but it's really trying to put together like a well-rounded care for individuals like yourself so that there are no gaps in like self-care or personal care. So if it's mental health, making sure someone has a mental health therapist or a co-occurring therapist, um, you know, someone is following through with medical recommendations or medications. Someone has, you know, adequate housing and, and financial and, you know, um, supply of food that they don't have to kind of, you know, contemplate over. Uh, transportation, mm. right? Even folks, you know, in addiction who may have you know, lost a driver's license, you know, being able to get, you know, train tickets and bus tickets, you know, with some latitude uh, really helps people kind of, you know, progress along. So I think, you know, for you and, and, and for folks out there is really thinking about when we think about addiction, right? And I think for, for a lot of normies, people are just like, oh, treatment, just you go to a place, they help fix it, and then that's it. Well, what happens about this person's driver's, you know, license, right? What happens with someone's, you know, loss of like IDs or insurance and, you know, things like that. And I think, you know, as, as a treatment provider, you know, we have to think of, of the individual as, you know, comprehensive as whole and not just right. substance use focus because those other things can contribute to a relapse. You know, if someone's feeling low on themselves yeah. because, you know, they lost a driver's license for the, you know, th you know, third time and they can't scrape together $50 to pay for the reinstatement fee. Well, that can <laughs> kind of wear and tear on folks. Uh, and I'm sure there's folks yeah. out there who might be listening or thinking like, well, it's a consequence to active addiction and you kind of go through it. <laughs> the consequence of addiction is such, it is the addiction. <laughs> yeah, I, right. I mean, sure, we all have like some heavy consequences that, you know, that I face from, from active addiction, you know, you, you know, from, from my sharing. Yeah. Um, however, like the main, the main thing for addiction for me is like, I continue to use despite like the most horrific consequences, you know? So like, that doesn't really, doesn't really hold it for me. Like it, mm -hmm. does, it doesn't like help me sustain recovery. Okay. You know, kind of to your point, you know, a little bit. Um, so, you know, whether I have those consequences cleaned up or not, I don't know how much it really matters, you know? Yeah, I mean, what I try to kind of do for folks and, you know, is not necessarily kind of really being aware when, you know, the cravings or the urges are at kind of peak level. And I even honestly mm -hmm. say in therapy, I'm like, there's not enough therapy in the world to kind of deter people when they're at their peak of, of, of their urges or cravings mm -hmm. by then kind of, you know, the grace of God or divine intervention mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, is, is going to take hold or, or again, someone's going to kind of follow through, you know, 
with the actions, you know, to follow through with the, the mental side of it, you know. Um, yeah. But it's kind of really noticing the upslope. So all the things that you're mentioning is those like little checkout moments, the, those those little things of like noticing that I'm, I'm closing up circles, which is then opening up my circle for relapse, um, mm. getting away from people who are supportive and, you know, maybe engaging with people like, you know, people don't have like healthy relationships or, or no relationships. Um, so I try to really kind of paint that picture or help people really identify those like initial warning signs for themselves. And everyone is yeah. different to a certain I guess degree. It would, yeah. Right. Like, I guess for me, I guess for me, it would be more isolation. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. It's one of mine for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, start cleaning up my, you know, stuff that I have going on so I don't have that, you know, hanging around if I go use and isolating a bit more, just saying it out loud for me, you know. You know. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Hey, I, mean, I, think... I want br- to bring up something off topic a little bit, just like I want to catch it before it gets away from me, if that's okay. Yeah, I believe this is a segment of the uh, podcast called uh, Transition, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> well, is the transition going to, we're going to be talking about the word wild and how the word wild is, is, it's catching fire. About two weeks ago, about two weeks ago, I'm talking to a close friend and they say wild. Like they said it like four or five times in like our 20 minute conversation. <laughs> and I hung up with them. Like, I'm like, huh. Wild, huh? Wild. And then another close friend, he says, he starts saying wild, right? And then you on episode two, I believe, (laughs) saying wild, right? And I'm like, wild. And then, so, and then I reach out to my, initially heard it from, I know the thing, like, am I hitting this in the middle of our, you know, society transitioning to like the newest, hottest word? You know, and um, and he starts saying he starts saying how he's been using the word for a while. But yeah, I, I said, just tell me, you know, tell me, is this a new thing? Just say it. You know, is this a thing now? He's like, yeah. Cool say he, <laughs> yeah. And then I'm on Instagram the other night, caught up in the rails, you know, talk and, and stuff. <laughs> and um, for hours at a time. Anyways. I'm on Instagram and I see Taylor Swift at her concert. I think it was Vegas. Vegas, you were so wild. Really? I'm like, I'm like, she's using it. And then I see something on one of the Kardashians, wild. And TMZ, (laughs) TMZ reported something, right? And wild was highlighted red. All the other words were, were black font, but wild was highlighted red. And I call my friend up. I'm like, hey, this wild thing, this is what's going on since you first, since I first heard you use it a million times. And I've heard it so many times. And Taylor Swift is using it. And everyone's using it. What is going on? And are we in the middle of some big shift here? He goes, yeah, <laughs> you can't say. What's going on is you can't say crazy anymore. You have to say wild. What? Because it's not politically correct, Adam. I'm like, shit. This is what's going on. But like, 
what for me, for me, it just felt like it felt kind of different for me to be like to catch something like in our culture, like in the middle of happening or at the beginning of the stages. Now, some of you might say, oh, it's been happening for a year or nine months or something. But I don't know if I've heard it so much as I've been hearing it like the past month or two. Okay. So I, I think I feel pretty good about, I feel pretty good about being able to catch it right in the infant. It's infant stages that it's in. It's it's infant, infantry. Or. Infancy, infancy, not infantry. Or. or, (laughs) Yeah. Or. What's the other reason? Or. Or I'm having I'm having an awakening where I'm able to hear hear things that have been going on for a while and I've just been in the dark because of my my addiction. Is that some is that is that where well, you're that, going or no, or did I just going. bring that? I mean, oh my god! I just brought up another reason. All right, with with you being on Instagram for hours at a time, you would have picked up on it really quickly. <laughs> That this is a, <laughs> a, a subculture term that people are using. No, my my assessment of it is that it, it. I mean, that's a great interpretation that your your friend is making, and I think like politically correct, you know, maybe so. Um, but I I, I think it's one of those like like self fulfilling prophecies. Like you heard a, you heard a word that highlighted something for you. You fixated on that word. Now you're so in tune with that word. Every time that you hear it, you're then generalizing it and globalizing as if, you know, it's being said all the time. And so when you find the evidence to support your theory, lo and behold, the theory becomes accurate. When if you step back, you're probably hearing thousands of words a day and wild is maybe like one out of a thousand versus 800 out of a thousand. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And you know something, like, I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to do the research myself, I guess, and bring the evidence to you. But I, I feel like, um, you know, three months ago, it was, it was zero out of a thousand I was hearing it. And now I'm hearing it one out of a thousand. <laughs> Every word. Oh, you know? so, so that's an increase of one percent. That's, that's anecdotally, anecdotal <laughs> evidence that I have. Not not empirical research. No, not at all. Well, <laughs> maybe I'll make it back. Anyways, I'm sorry to cut cut the show into that. No, no. Something no, I needed no. to get out there. Because no. I I'll tell you the truth. In the last, this will be the last piece on this. But I was speaking to my friend this morning about it, and I said, if Barbaro says that tonight while we're we're recording, I'm gonna stop him right afterwards and you said it but we were talking about stuff that was a little little heavy and i couldn't just nip it in the bud then you know so i waited and i was patiently waiting until i I waited until we were i felt like it was appropriate Um, well well, a a little insight to and and that's and that's a good example of me not giving into impulse control because i wanted to nip it in the bud right when you said it and i hung in there for a little bit um, which in turn Gives me practice with impulse control. So there you go. Making uh, new uh, neural uh, connections. 
Good stuff. No, I was going to say that how my brain works. Um, so the first time I met my future sister-in-law and her husband, um, you know, we had dinner together in some Italian restaurant in New, New Jersey. Um, and I, I get, you know, we were talking or whatever. And apparently I was using this, that, or, or the other thing to describe something without like going into full description. And so, you know, we got, you know, we were, you know, hanging out pretty regularly as, you know, my relationship, you know, with my now wife was kind of, you know, getting more serious or whatever. And so my sister-in-law goes, how come we never use that word, that phrase anymore? I'm like, what phrase are you talking about? She goes, this, that, and the other thing. I'm like, excuse me? She goes, yeah, the first time that we met, you used it, like, at the end of every sentence, almost like a punctuation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm like, are you, are you sure? She's like, oh, yeah, like, me and me and you know her husband. They, we talked about it like all night long, all weekend long. That you oh use it so, so often, and so I put it into my brain that I refuse to use that word. And even yeah. now, when it like slips yeah. out, I'm like, ooh, I gotta, I gotta really take note of that and yeah. not use it that, that often. So that's how my brain works. That if someone points out a word that I'm using like a lot, you know, in, in normal yeah. conversation, I, I will like. I will really, really focus on like not using it and changing it up, you know, really, really actively. Huh. So now, now I, I'm I'm keened in on this uh, this notion of the term "wild," and uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll probably find a, a other adjectives to describe. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, so, I mean, is there anything? I mean, we, you know. We want to, you know, do you know another transition, you know, to maybe the five controversies. But is there anything that you want to kind of share, you know, to the audience as we, you know, move out of this, you know, conversation about mental obsession? Well, I mean, I think like you, like you talk about like like clinical perspective. You know, it's there's a lot going on for for individuals leading up to the relapse. Um, it's definitely, it's definitely multifaceted, you know, like there's, there's, um, you know, the, the feeling part of it, um, the behavioral part of it. Just, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about like how, how addicts, addicts, alcoholics are, are like such deep feelers and feel things on such like an intense level. And mm-hmm. I really do, I do believe there's like some type of difference in the way a lot of alcoholics and addicts just experience their emotions in comparison to, to others. And I don't, I don't have, I don't have facts around this, but I just, I feel like they're, you know, I believe they're, they're, they feel, we feel our feelings on like a, some type of more, more intense level or something. You know, and for me, like the, the level is so intense, ha- you know, it doesn't have to be a negative emotion either that I'm experiencing. Like there's mm-hmm. been plenty of times where I've experienced intense joy and I just, I can't tolerate it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, for other folks out there who might have someone who is, you know, using or, you know, struggling with their, you know, uh, family members or friends or loved ones, you know, recovery, um, 
you know, take Adam's note, right? Ha- have those honest conversations, just kind of just point out observation in, in a very kind of, you know, approachable, welcoming way. Uh, just to let them know, you know, about what you're noticing about their mindset, their behavior, their actions, even some of the terminology they might be using. Again, bringing some of the stuff from the unconscious or subconscious, you know, to the conscious state. And if that relationship is really strong, you know, having the opportunity, to, you know, to talk through it, right? Adam, you talk a lot about like honesty and you talk a lot about like calling yourself out. Um, so I think for folks out there, you know, that is a thing. I will say like one professional opinion I have about that kind of like addict intense emotion emotions um, is if we take a look at I mean even your journey and what you've self-disclosed right a lot of substance use happened in the really critical like developmental years right um, in those teenage years is when you really start learning like certain like tolerance building uh, and it comes with life it comes with body it comes with uh you know social skills you know developing independency dependency and so you know if we take a look at um any kind of like developmental psychology is that when there's certain stages or phases missed out on one's life um that technically are not moving on right they're still getting older but not they haven't developed those necessary skills how to manage their own emotions or manage their own kind of lived experiences and so if you're replicating that or I guess like self-medicating that with substances to kind of navigate through life, once the substance kind of goes away, <clears throat> even in use, right, because drugs and alcohol wear off, you know, so when the wearing off happens and that emotion is still there, I would then describe that as intense emotion because you're not acquiring the necessary tolerance building or skills to kind of understand like the degree of emotion, right? And I, and I use a lot of scaling with my clients, like on a scale of one to 10, how angry are you, yeah. right? And so if you never develop appropriately in, in developmental years or, you know, through therapy, even in, as adults, to really understand that. I think that I'm an emotion, eight. I think I'm an eight. Well, so that's the thing, right? Is that not noticing that <laughs> no one starts yeah. at an eight, right? No one starts at an eight. We right. start at, right. at a one, but we don't take note of it until we're it's like in our faces or in our bodies. And we're like, Oh, right. my anger is so intense. Well, yeah. therapy, what, what I try to point out people, it's like, let's, let's figure out an earlier round because that's an easier way of being right. redirected or, you know, validating those emotions and not letting them get kind of out of control. So that's what I would say, in, in, you know, for that kind of, you know, theory, again, that's again yeah. non-science based, but you know, I've been doing a lot of work with this, um, and, 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 you know, a, a lot of my clients have really resonated with, you know, that topic matter. Mm. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, Bob Ross. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank you for opening up. And you know, hopefully the audience, uh, you know, really in, enjoys and, and, and gains some insight into this conversation, how, you know, you operate in, in, you know, addiction and recovery and a little sense of kind of, you know, addiction counseling or, or therapy. Um, works too and um, if anyone needs any help I mean Adam and I are definitely um, here to help not only hearing our stories or the way that we engage with each other but you know really helping people kind of navigate the system because uh, it, it can be very challenging and difficult and there's a lot of ups and downs you know for from the addict side of it and the family side of it the treatment provider side of it but there there is a way around that people um, are are, are getting successful every single day. So we, just, we you know, we've got to highlight that for folks like you yeah. and you know, other people. So 
Um, yeah, for the audience, again, email us, um, the addict and the counselor at gmail.com. Um, please follow us um, and listen to our podcast. Uh, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music Podcast. Uh, we really appreciate the feedback. And so, um, yeah, any, anything you all you know, uh, offer up, uh, we're definitely you know, uh, taking emails and suggestions on how to move forward. Great. And yeah, thanks for making me feel comfortable, Bob Rose, to be able to share that heavy stuff. You know, those aren't, those aren't Adam Taylor highlights, you know, highlight rail. Right. Yeah. 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 Some, some low lights, and, you know, some, some, some highlights and you know, this is, yeah. And openness about, you know, yeah. what you experienced, right. Unfiltered yeah. Um, yeah. and real. Right. Um, so do we transition now? Another transition? Let's, let's do it. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's do so, it. Five controversies. All right. So for, for our for right. our new listeners, uh, at the end of every podcast, uh, we do the five controversies. We really appreciate folks kind of emailing us, letting us know, um, you know, wh- 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 which one side they lean on uh, versus the other. Um, and so this is an opportunity for people to kind of get an insight in terms of how our dynamic kind of works out with these two things. Um, generally the two oppositional things and so hopefully you know everyone is playing at home also so all right first one pretty easy pretty benign nothing too intense but do you prefer a pen over a pencil I prefer a pen okay all right do you want to say why it's it's, it writes smooth it's smooth, not like a pencil. Mm, I feel rough. like a pencil is a little more rougher, right? Can you let me allow me to get out my adjectives, please? <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> That's what a therapist does. I already know what you're. Come on, you're to say. no. You're supposed no, but you're supposed to hang in there with the client and let them discover on their own. Come on, not necessarily. Uh, what do you What do you prefer? What do you? I, I, show I'm some impulse go. control. What do you, What do you, what do you like? <laughs> I'm going to go also um, again, same almost uh, theory of yours. It's uh, it looks better on paper. Um, You know, it's clearer. I think Um, for me, I'm left-handed. And so if I'm writing left to right, um, I need a pen that also dries as fast as possible. So I don't get ink spots on my left hand, my palm, but Mm -hmm. uh, definitely, uh, definitely a big fan of pen. In school, as, as soon as we had the option of using pen over pencil, I like broke all my pencils. Mm. <laughs> I hated them. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Next one. And I, and, I, and I think relatively controversial. And so I think people will get heated one way or another. Uh, salsa. Uh, I'm, already getting, I'm, already getting he- I'm already getting heated. And I'm at an eight. <laughs> salsa over queso. Uh, queso, that's an easy one. Really? Yeah. It's cheesy. Who doesn't like that? It's creamy. Who doesn't like creamy? I mean, all stuff that makes my makes my mouth water. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's wild because I do prefer queso over salsa. Oh, um, yeah. But I, I carry more salsa in the house. For some reason, and then like you know, when I go food shopping, I'm like, yeah, queso is an option. It's a better option. What, what, why don't I buy buy a jar all the time? But 
yeah, definitely right. same description. Um, really big fan. Yeah. I like the kind of like spicier kick a little bit. I think queso offers a little more spice than even the kind of the spicier yeah. salsas, but yeah, queso. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, white or brown rice? Listen, if you don't if you don't say one of my controversies, I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> what is it? What's this one? White or white, what? White or brown rice. I like brown rice better than white. Mm. I mean, I would prefer brown and white. It is healthier. Mm. But I eat more white rice. And like in most Turkish households, you're probably not finding a lot of brown rice. Uh, you're finding a lot mm. of more white rice. So I kind of grew up with a lot of you know white rice. And I, I would prefer it over, over brown. Brown's a healthier yeah. option. If I can, you know, if there was two different rices to pick from i'd go brown but most yeah. of the time in the household it's white rice so i'm gonna go yeah. white mm. all right um no, number this four controversy. this one better be mine this one better be a good one Your, yours the the one controversy that you came up was like further down the list sir one to... i threw you i threw you 20 of them no, <laughs> oh, those are untrue. They're not controversies. They're, they're not making. Listen, sense. I'm gonna bring up. Listen, if you don't say this, if you don't, if number four is not mine. I'm gonna say number five. Yes, <laughs> number five will be us. I, 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 I will concede, and you, you can have the fifth controversy. All right. All right. All right. Um, fourth controversy: spicy food or not spicy? Oh my food? god! Stay present. I. You're not gonna like this. It's the degree of spiciness. Oh, God, which playing the fence. It, yeah, it. I, it's just not black. That's not black or white. That's not a black or white thing. It's, it's either yeah, spicy it's... or not spicy. No, how yeah. spicy is spice? Is it is spicy? You know, I mean, there's different degrees get, get, get of spice. Little like I like on the tongue. That's spicy. If going with our with with our one to ten scale, if. The spiciness is a five. I'm all in. Greater than a five, I may be backing off. Oh, there you no. go. So you're not spicy. You don't prefer spicy then, if you're gonna call it like that. No, no, I, I prefer spicy up to a, a scale, of, and the scale is subjective, by the way. <laughs> Those, so I mean, <laughs> for that, the science. I mean, my five could be someone else. Could be your eight of spiciness. You know? I don't think so. I don't think so. Anyway, I'm 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 gonna go straight spicy food. Earlier tonight, uh, I had lasagna and I poured uh, hot pepper flakes on it. Mm. Get, a, get the spice oh, going. Nice. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right, right Mr. Adam. Have <clears throat> number five. I I'm hesitant to do it. <laughs> no, the floor is yours. <laughs> this is with you. Is I mean, what was your was your number five going to be something that I've I suggested or no? Of course not. I hate you. Um, <laughs> you know, when I say I hate you, that means the direct opposite. Now, yeah. call or text. What do you think? That's my controversy. Call or text. Go ahead. I have a irrational response to phone calls, I think because of the nature of my work 
And so I would 1000% texting any form of communication outside of my therapy sessions. So texting okay. all the way. I actually right. didn't have it on the list. I, I honestly, it's on, on my list. It, it was, it's way far down. It's like 20, 30 controversies away. <laughs> Wonder why What's that yours? is. Mine's phone call. I prefer the call. Um, especially with, especially with like close friends, important information. I don't, I, where I'm someone that like, I feel misunderstood most of the time anyways. So like, I always have like this overwhelming fear that through the text, it's not going to translate the way I need it to translate. They're not going to get what I'm trying, you know, they're not going to understand. They're not going to understand what I'm, I'm throwing at them. Um, so I, I like the call. I phone call. I have a better shot of the the person on the other end understanding what I'm trying to get across for sure. Um, the other Pete, the second part to it is that don't, I don't know. You know, my first. I don't know if people remember, but like first episode we did, I think one of the controversies had something to somehow my 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 um, motivation for physical labor was brought up and how I don't like doing much physical labor and I need needed to like be prepared to do that or, you know, that type of thing. Texting. That's a lot of fucking work. That's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Like mo- doing that whole thing. If I'm going back and forth with someone, my fingers are getting, are getting tired, you know? So I, pref- <laughs> I prefer like the, you know, the, the easier thumb. way is, yeah, it's even, I mean, someone did comment the other day to me about my, my texting ability, because I do, and they said uh, they've never seen anyone do it like I do it, <laughs> is the swiping, the swipe text. Uh, yeah. Have you heard of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I do that. I don't, I don't do, I don't do the pressing, and I do the swipe, because it's easier on my, my thumb, you know? You're poor. <laughs> Your poor little thumbs. All right, that's what we learned, I think, in this episode. episode number four is Adam's poor thumbs can't type away on the phone. <laughs> um, so that's our show. Uh, episode number four in the books. Um, really appreciate the folks uh, for listening, uh, following us. Once again, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and amazon music podcast please follow us please listen to our episode email us reach out to us we would love to hear from our audience um again the email is the addict and the counselor at gmail.com all one word the addict and the counselor at gmail please let us know how we're doing and what you want to hear from us and we'll definitely incorporate into our next conversation all right then all right i'll talk to you later all right have a good one Later. Yeah, you too. Good night.